0: Three words that I guarantee will either piss you off, make you feel included, or you usually just don't even want to get involved with. Black lives matter. Those three words have exploded in the last, what, three to four months. And generally speaking, if you're white, you either try to stay away from this topic. Or you're against it and you don't tell me because I'm a black person and you're not sharing that with me. Or you're for it. And I think for the very first time I understand the perspective of those who are against it. I think it'll surprise you. Let's get into it. So Black Lives Matter is the topic we're going to get into today. Before we do, first of all, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I was shocked and amazed to find out I have an international listening audience. Wow. Thank you. Apparently, we have the United States. Woo woo! I'm from the United States. We have Canada. We have Trinidad and Tobago and South Korea. I never would have picked all of those and put them together as my listening audience. And it'll be fun to kind of watch it grow and change. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please click subscribe. If there's a place to, um, you know, grade the show, click those five stars. It really, really helps. Growing a podcast is incredibly difficult, but this is something I'm passionate about and I'm looking forward to the adventure of all of us together with this podcast. If you wanna keep in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Jody Rollins, J-O-D-I-R-O-L-L-I-N-S. You can just check on the podcast artwork or you can email me if you have questions, comments, and you can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys, hear your questions. I will read them on the air or you can go to the Anchor app and leave a voice message and I will play that on the air as well you can be anonymous any kind of questions I'm happy to oblige thank you thank you thank you for your support so let's get started um, the reason I do this this podcast big-time small talk is a kind of it's a play on words and a way to dig below the surface, to not just focus on small talk. Oh, um, Black Lives Matter, says, you know, my white friends. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I mean, I I support, you know, the black community. And I've had so many uncomfortable conversations with black friends that are like, they don't know what to say. And I think they probably feel a little put on the spot and then I have friends that are like I am so for you I understand your pain or I can't completely but I want you to know I support you which is freaking awesome And I think what has happened is that those on the right have bastardized What black lives matter is and so I had to sort of reframe how I look at the hashtag, we'll call it the hashtag Black Lives Matter or BLM. It's a movement and a hashtag and a group and a way of life and a way of thinking. It's so many things, it's not just one thing. And my husband who, you know, we were kind of having this conversation this morning was comparing it to the NRA, which I don't exactly make this comparison the National Rifle Association, the NRA. And a lot of people despise that organization and see it as the devil. And others are like, look, I am a good law-abiding citizen. I enjoy shooting, I enjoy weapons, I am responsible. Why can't I be a part of an organization that has like-minded individuals? So it's very polarizing. And the Black Lives Matter movement apparently is as well. So let's begin with what it is. And this is again, just my opinion. This is what it is to me and the people that I know. My black friends, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, this is what it is to us. And we are tax paying American citizens. We have jobs, we have families, we have friends. We're regular people. Our interaction with the police is when we're speeding. I mean, I thankfully, knock on wood, have not gotten a ticket in a very, very long time. I'm that person that like memorizes the speed limits wherever I go. And I usually only go like four to six miles over the speed limit. I just, I know I have a lead foot, so I always have to put on the cruise control. I don't want that ticket. So that's my general interaction with the police. And it's unfortunate that Black Lives Matter only is being attached to Police, but that's part of the problem we'll get into here in just a minute. So when I have interactions with the police, they're either giving me a ticket or I just see them around my community. And I'm like, thank you for your service. I always thank police officers for their service because my assumption is they're good. I assume, and I come from a place where I believe, in general, human beings, all of us are good people. Decent people just trying to live our lives. Flawed, but decent people. Until you prove me wrong or prove otherwise, I believe police are the same way. I feel bad sometimes even just calling them cops, but that's what I call them. And so I try to thank them for their service for several reasons. I try to let them know that, look, not all black people hate you. No matter what you think, maybe you see that on the news or maybe the group of people you hang out with, says that all black people want you dead and want you the police department defunded or whatever that we don't now <clears throat> i did not grow up in the inner city i did not grow up being harassed by cops i've never been a drug dealer i've never been a drug doer i've never been in a lower socioeconomic position i just call it lucky call it hard work call it whatever and I cannot speak for those people and it's so sad that in this modern time if you say those people that's somehow offensive but I've known people like that and I've befriended people like that but I have not walked a mile in their shoes I have not lived their experience so that's all I mean and i think a lot of times people kind of group black people into one lump like oh you know black people are this and we're not so at least i want to start this conversation from the notion of who i am in case you haven't listened to past episodes i grew up in the suburbs white suburbs of colorado like that was my main upbringing i live in southern california in the suburbs I mean a little small town it's not really like your standard suburb it's like a little city in a town whatever so now I live more I guess around more Latinos than I do white people but it's whatever I don't even want to get into all of that but I haven't lived mostly where the majority of people are black I think you have to live in the south in the United States in order to get that experience mississippi georgia alabama um or you have to live in like philadelphia parts of new york city i have lived in new york city but it was a very diverse area okay i digress so that's where i'm coming from i cannot speak for anybody else i don't claim to speak for anybody else not any other group just for people who are like me and that i've spoken to you know or have seen on social media that's that So when we think about Black Lives Matter, we, me, to me, what it is, is a way of life, a thought process that we matter, that black people matter, that we are shot, we are abused, we are criminalized at a higher rate than white people. If a white man commits a crime and a black man commits the same crime and they both go to jail, the black man will go to jail longer. And sometimes, and often, the white man will get off and get just probation. If um, you look at housing, black people apply, they have make the same amount of money, they have the same credit, they will be turned down for a house at a higher rate. They will be turned down for credit at a higher rate. Like anything that you can think of that's negative happens across the board to black people and it doesn't always have to do with your socioeconomic background and I think that's one of the problems so I know that if I walk into a store Chances are I may be followed and when I mention that to my white friends. They're like what you yes It happens and people assume you're stealing when I'm in a like a jewelry store. I keep my hands Where people can see them i try to make sure my purse or bag is around the back so it doesn't look like i'm slipping something small or if i'm in a knickknack store i'm not trying to steal something because once you've been consistently watched in a store you just know that's what happens so there's all these different things right that happen to black people and if We can't agree that those are factual, like you can look at it. I had a friendship, I lost this friendship because she was like, well, white people are arrested too. White people are shot by cops too. Why is nobody talking about that? Look at the statistics, like several times over for the same crime, black men are being shot and killed in the street. And so we're not even gonna talk about George Floyd. That's a whole nother show. I mean, if, for those of you who don't know, a police officer kneeled on his neck and killed him, just essentially suffocated him. And that was the sort of the the um, linchpin, which is a strange kind of example to use or analogy, but of the explosion of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so it's been around for what, two, three years now? I'm not even sure. And when you would post Black Lives Matter, a lot of white people would roll their eyes. They're like, what, like I don't matter? My life doesn't matter? And here's the problem. And there's so many issues with this. I think that when you have a powder keg issue, whatever it is, race, religion, abortion, whatever, if you can take it out of the main issue and put it into a different sort of more simple topic, it's easier to see the flaws. So by that, I mean this. Let's not talk about the specifics of Black Lives Matter for just a second. Let's just say you have a six-year-old girl and she's going to elementary school and every day she goes to school, little Johnny sees her there out on the playground and he pushes her down. He doesn't pick on any of the other 20 kids. He only picks on her pushes her down, pushes her down. And every day she goes home and, or tells her teacher and they're like, you know, Johnny, you should stop that. Johnny, you should stop that. And one particular day, this little six year old girl goes to the playground like normal and Johnny pushes her down and cracks open her skull. And she's bleeding. It's not life threatening, but she's bleeding. Just gushing blood from her, floor, from her forehead. And she goes into the principal's office with the teacher and explains what happened. And the principal says, I'm, I'm not gonna worry about you right now because a lot of kids are being bullied. All of these kids, we have several kids that are being bullied. Why should I focus on just you? And I'm about to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. and. If that, hopefully that resonates, that's what Black Lives Matters is. It's like, we have all these issues and we are on fire. Our heads are bleeding literally and figuratively. And people who say all lives matter are that principle saying, well, why should I worry about you? Lots of kids are being bullied. When at the moment, yes, All of these different kids may have been bullied on the playground by somebody else and not by little Johnny. But this six-year-old girl is the one that's bleeding. She needs help. That doesn't take away from the fact that other kids are bullied. That doesn't take away from the fact that other kids need to be dealt with. That doesn't take away from the fact that other bullies are out there. But right now, it's this girl standing in front of you, bleeding, asking for help. You would never say to this little girl, I'm not going to focus on you because lots of kids are bullied. You deal with what's in front of you that needs the most attention, and you solve the problems. And that's all we're asking for with Black Lives Matter. I had a friend, and again, this was another Facebook fight. I wasn't in it. I just watched it, and I was like, I cannot be friends with this person. He was like more of a past coworker, Facebook friend, but I liked him. And he kept saying, but all lives matter, all lives matter. You don't think that I don't have problems? You don't think that I don't have issues? You think I have white privilege? Which again, we could have a whole nother show about that, but we'll just touch on it. Here's the thing. You may have problems with your boss. You may have problems with your neighbor. You may have problems with a police officer. You may have problems with whatever but you don't have the added problems of racism. I have all the same shit that everybody else has. My white friends, my black friends, my Latino friends, my whatever friends, Asian friends, we all have the same crap. But when you're not white in the United States of America, you get an additional helping. It's like we all have a backpack. And some of us have problems with money. Some of us have emotional problems and you put that baggage in your backpack, right? Some of us have family issues. Oh my God, my my father-in-law drives me nuts. Not my father-in-law. He's really awesome and I love him, I really do. But whatever your problems are, maybe you have an illness or you have depression, or you have anxiety, or you were hit by a car when you were seven and you had your leg amputated. Whatever those problems are, you put the metaphorical baggage in your backpack and you go through life. And some of us have a little more and some of us have a little less, but when you are black in the United States, it's like you get an additional brick put in that backpack. It's just heavier and the way i can prove this to you is that i can say this it's a perfect example i will ask you one question and i ask you to be honest be honest with yourself if for some reason you knew you were going to die and you could come back a race of your choice but you could only choose to come back as white and this is for my white friends or you could choose to come back as black, I guarantee you, you would choose to come back as white because it's difficult. And you don't even know how difficult it is because you're white. You haven't experienced it. My stepson, for those of you who don't know, I'm married to, as I love to say, a man of the Caucasian persuasion. So you cannot tell me I am anti-white. I am not. I'm married. I love him. I love his family. I love my stepkids. But one of my stepsons said, I don't like this white privilege. It's just saying that I have no issues. And it's not saying that. Everybody's got their stuff. But when you're a minority, you get extra here's another example so I was talking about <laughs> this one's kind of funny I was talking to my husband in the kitchen this morning and uh, he uh, so he is a farmer he works in agriculture so he gets on his clothes he, he has these really thick tight je- well they're not tight but thick jeans that are like rough they don't have a lot of stretch and we jokingly called them tough skins because when he and I were little, I hope you guys remember for anybody who was around my age, <coughs> beyond 40, um, there were these really thick, tough jeans and they were called tough skins. So little kids could run and play and they would just, they were really uncomfortable, but they sold us to them like they were great. And so we jokingly call my husband's jeans tough skins and they make his butt look square. And I said, you know, you never have ever had to worry about your butt. He's like, I can't see it. I don't know, you know, he's joking. And I said, when women put on jeans and we try them on, the first thing we do is we turn around and we look at our butt. We're like how does my butt look in these jeans or if you're in a professional atmosphere a professional setting and you're gonna be wearing a skirt you're like okay how does my butt look is it too tight is it is this skirt too short or if you're walking in front of a group of men you're like are they looking at my butt if you bend over oh my god is my butt hanging out is my whatever we are regularly thinking about our butt without even really thinking that we're thinking about it it's just what you do as a woman because men are always looking at our butts which is, you know, fine or whatever. It's just what it is. But men aren't thinking about their butts at all. They don't look in the mirror. I mean, some do, don't get me wrong. I have plenty of gay friends and maybe even a couple of straight friends who are like, I wanna make sure my butt looks good. But your average dude, your average middle-aged white dude, at least a farmer, isn't concerned with what his butt looks like in the mirror it never occurs to him and that's but privilege like yes that sounds like a joke but and I say but again but when the both of us are out in the world that's something additional I am thinking about I don't always want to be seen as a sex object if I'm in a professional setting I don't want to bend over and have a group of construction workers if I drop my keys as I'm walking by staring at my butt I don't like any of that. Most women don't. Like, I suppose there's some women that are like, hey, at least I still got it, you know, construction workers are checking me out, woo But my husband never even considers it. It is not an issue. That's but privilege. Now, yes, I'm making light of it. It doesn't matter. My life is not ruined because I have to worry about my butt, right? It's not that big of a deal. It can be, I guess, in the case of sexual harassment. But in everyday life, it's just a nuisance to be gawked at. Sometimes it makes you feel good if if the guy's attractive and they're nice about it. But to have someone staring at your ass isn't fun, right? Especially if you feel gross, you're like being visually raped. I go through my life and that's the experience I have as a woman. But men don't have to think about that. And so if you put it back to you know white privilege you're going to see okay i as a white person not me but you maybe if you're white don't have to think about race i'll give you another example i was on a reality show and eight years ago called big brother and again for those of you who have you know navigated over here from my social media and followed me from the reality show for all these years. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I was on that reality show for that long. But going into it, I was like, I know that I am representing black people. When you're one of a few, people make judgments based on your race. So I knew that what I did and said would have an effect on what people thought of black people. I guarantee you my white counterparts are not going into a reality show and saying, I got to make sure that white people think that I look and represent them well. It never crosses their mind ever. You're just like, I want to look good. I want to make sure my family is I'm doing them proud. I want to maybe look hot for the girls. I want to get a podcast when this is over. I would think all of that same stuff, but I have to worry about race. And that's the difference between white privilege. That doesn't mean white people are bad because they have it. We can even talk one more example, beauty privilege. My whole life, except for, well, it's a mixed bag. When I was in high school, boys picked on me, said I was ugly. In middle school and elementary school, I I was called ugly, boys laughed in my face, but I was pretty cute. I mean, if you ever see a yearbook picture of me or school, I was a cute girl. You know, I got attention from from men and boys and whatever as I got older. And but I still also got called ugly. But in general, my entire life, I've been told I'm attractive. And that always feels a little egotistical to say, but I'm just telling you, my experience has nothing to do per se with me. It has to do with genes, right? My mom and dad got together. They made me, which I have a face, which have I have generally balanced features, which human beings tend to find more attractive features are that are even not too big not too small whatever are there prettier people than me absolutely but are there less attractive people than I am yeah according to society right I don't make the rules I'm just telling you what is said all I do is try to eat the best that I can even though I like junk food and exercise and our society says those are attractive things so if you're lesser attractive, lesser attractive, I don't know if that's the best English, if you're less attractive, maybe less men open doors for you. Maybe you're treated differently. I mean, they've done study after study after study, how attractive people get more jobs, make more money, get more gifts, more free things, you know, men buy you drinks at the bar, whatever. I don't really think that much about it, but I would assume that is a looksist, privilege. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I definitely look in the mirror and go, oh my God, what's this? What's this?" zit? Look at my double chin. So I find my flaws. I see them. I know that they're there, but there are people in this world who have to go out and they feel unattractive and society tells them that they're unattractive all the time, whether it's their weight or their looks or their hair or their nose or whatever, anything those people have to worry about looks more often than attractive people do. So that's like a attractive privilege, if you will. And then we could get into light-skinned black people versus dark skin. Light skin is seen as more pretty and attractive in the United States. Dark skin is seen as bad and exotic and strange. So we have all of this stuff to bring it back to Black Lives Matter that as a black person we're thinking about, whether it's how we look, um, I've even brought this up before, our hair, our skin tone, the way we speak, you know, I get in trouble for sounding like a white person. White people don't ever get told they sound like anything unless you have an accent right? Maybe you say a like you're from the South and people are like, oh my God, I love your accent. That's so pretty. Or if you're from the Northeast and you like park your car Harvard Yard and you're from Massachusetts and you like ask not what your country can do for you. That's my John Kennedy. So all of that being said, I was in Southern Utah on our vacation, which if you haven't been to Southern Utah, it is magical. It is beautiful. I am in love with it. So you should, if you get a chance to travel, go to Southern Utah. It's by, you see Zion. We saw the Grand Canyon, which is in Arizona, but you can kind of toggle around between Nevada, Arizona and Utah and just see beautiful, beautiful landmarks and natural places and parks. Anyway, I was there and there was like a little Trump, it wasn't a rally, but it was like a gathering on the sidewalk and they were like, honk if, if you support Trump and, and blue lives matter and support the blue and anti-black lives matter. And I got pissed and I got sad and then I got angry and then I felt a little hopeless and dejected. And I'm gonna tell you how I decided to actually look at those kinds of things in a different way and again, I think it might surprise you coming up after the break. So thanks for not clicking away. Welcome back to Big Time Small Talk. I'm your host Jody Rollins and Oh boy, so before the break I was telling you that I was on vacation in southern Utah this magical beautiful place and we were driving to our next destination to go hiking and I was in great spirits and I see all these people waving Trump flags and anti-black lives matter and blue lives matter and I got angry and sad and felt a little hopeless. Because I'm thinking, you're anti my life. You're anti something I cannot change. You're anti something that I am. My skin color, my culture, my history. How can you be against a people? And I don't think these people are like, you know, Ku Klux Klan members. These are just people who see Black Lives Matter movement in the wrong way and it kind of got to me and I started to think about how there was a saying and I know I'm gonna mess this up but I thought it was really important and really poignant it's that oh, but basically this again it's not as <laughs> it's more succinct than this but I will try that the people who judge Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter rallies judge us by the worst of us. The thugs, the looters, the thieves, the criminals, the people who are exploiting Black Lives Matter. People are like, there are no good protesters. Look at those people breaking bricks of, you know, breaking windows with bricks and stealing. That's Black Lives Matter. And they focus on that and they hear what Fox News says, which think about it, that Fox News does not represent black people, but they speak for us. And they say things like black people want the police defunded, which means you can't pay the police and that they won't make any money and we'll live in a lawless place. And that we're Marxists. And we hate white people and black men are going to start raping white women and all this horrible stuff. And so Black Lives Matter is judged based on that garbage. But then those same white people who judge Black Lives Matter that way judge the police by the positives. They say, yes, yes, some police do bad things and there are some bad apples, but look at all these great police. Why are you putting down all these fantastic, hardworking, decent people? You should judge that. Blue lives matter, which is just a thumb in my eye. When you say that to me, it's a thumb in the eye and, and it's uh, pressure on the back of the neck of every black person who's ever had to deal with racism because it's like dismissive, we're gonna take your saying and we're gonna change it because you don't matter. So it's okay to judge police by the best of them because there are wonderful, decent, hardworking, good police out there. And there are. Just don't focus on the bad ones because those ones will be dealt with and they're just bad, but focus on these good ones. We need the same for Black Lives Matter The bad cops are the fringe. They are the small group out there. There's too many, there are too many of them killing and hurting and damaging black people. But the majority of cops are just trying to pay their bills and do a career that they enjoy and or respect. Some guys I'm sure get sick of it, but I know a lot of cops who really love what they do and they see and as, a, as a true service. But why can't you take that same respect for Black Lives Matter and instead of saying, it's all those thugs who are stealing and robbing and looting during protest. Do you know how many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands of peaceful protesters there were? But what do the anti-Black Lives Matter groups focus on? The thugs. I don't like them. I don't agree with them. They're not supporting the cause. They see an opportunity to steal, to rabble rouse, to break, to hurt, to maim, to spit in the faces of cops. That is horrific. But the majority of people who believe and support The Black Lives Matter movement are of all races, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds as well, and they just want the violence against black people to stop. They want acknowledgement. We want acknowledgement that it isn't always fair for us, and we're not blaming you in the sense that, because I have, you know, I've heard white people say things like, well, I was never a slave owner, what do you want from me? Acknowledgement, we have September 11th. What do we hear? Never forget, that is the hashtag. Roughly what, 3,000 people died. I know someone who died in the World Trade Center, and we are regularly told, never forget. If you bring up slavery or racism white people say, that was a long time ago. Move on. It was 400 years of torture, abuse, rape, and murder. 400 years. And our society regularly says, forget about it and move on. It was a long time ago. But 3,000 people were killed. Never forget Again, I want to say this again so I don't get some kind of ridiculous email. I lost somebody on September 11th, worked in the North Tower on the 102nd floor. I've talked about it. You can check out the episode on my podcast that I dedicated to those people. So I want you to never forget too. But when you live in a society that says, slavery, I don't want to talk about it. It d humanizes us as black people. It makes us feel like you don't care, like our lives, what, don't matter. And then when you kill black men in the street, our lives, what, don't matter. And when we don't get, you know, good credit ratings and scores, or I should say when we do get good credit and we don't get the opportunities that our white counterparts get, it makes us feel like what, we don't matter if you look at black women and white women we are less married as our white counterpart would be as i talked about on social media on dating apps black women are the least dated and reached out to of any racial group in the united states because it makes us feel like we don't matter so thing after thing after thing after thing after thing we don't matter, and that's not about pointing fingers and saying white people are all racist because there's a quote from Anne Frank, which was her name, Anne Frank, as America's you know pronounces it as we know it. Anne Frank, the famous, what, 13-year-old girl who hid in her attic for two years, almost three years from the Nazis. If you read her book, she says, I still believe that people are good at heart. She was murdered. Had to hide indoors, away from sunlight for almost three years. I, like Anne Frank, still believe that people are good at heart. And that's how I had to rearrange my thinking. I don't think that the people on that street corner in Utah, beautiful Utah, hate me. I think that they watch Fox News and they see thugs and thieves and cheats out in the streets and they don't focus on the fact that all I want is to be treated like I matter. I pay my taxes, I don't commit crimes, I don't steal from you, I don't rape, I don't murder, I don't hurt you, I don't bring your property taxes down, or wait, up, I, you know, because I crap up your neighborhood. You should see our lawn, it's beautiful. I am a regular person who just wants to be seen like a regular person and it's funny if you go out there right now and you somewhere you're at some political meeting and you say I want to make sure I support female causes and make sure that women are paid as much as men everyone will applaud But if you say, I want to go out and support black causes because black lives matter and I want to make sure people go, black lives matter and they roll their eyes. That's a shame. I don't want any extra. I don't want any guilt. I don't want you to be guilty. That is. I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm not blaming you. This is the system. It's set up. But you contribute when you don't even acknowledge that white privilege exists and you get mad about it. It's not your fault. It's just there. It only becomes your fault when you won't acknowledge that it exists. Again, I'll say this again. I don't want anything extra and I don't want to blame anybody. I don't want you to feel guilty about slavery. I get it. You didn't do it. I was never a slave. But racism still exists in America. That's all we want is acknowledgement and what's fair. So if I go into a job and they don't want to hire me, I have recourse instead of, well, how do you know they were racist? Maybe you just have a chip on your shoulder. So what I've had to do is change how I see the anti-Black Lives Matter, the Trump supporters who hate us. I take that back, they don't hate us, they don't understand us. They're not interested. They have to live their lives. After the break, I'm going to come up and I'm going to tell you in the closing words, Come after the break coming up, not I'm going to come up, I'm going to tell you my closing words of what I've had to do to just refocus and find a way to really see that it's not as bad as I think. It's bad, but there's a way to look at it from a different perspective. I'll be right back. So, what made me change my perspective and feel less hopeless and angry and dejected? Because that's the feeling of when racism gets too much, you feel hopeless. Imagine watching the President of the United States support Klansmen. That's what he did. We're not gonna talk about Trump. We're not gonna get into it. But imagine what it feels like to have people support someone who's done racist things. And I get it. There are other reasons why people support Trump. That's not my thing. We're not gonna talk about that right now. But what I've realized is, and what I choose to believe, whether or not it's true, this is what I choose to believe, is that everybody has their own experiences that everybody doesn't obviously have the same experiences. And the same way that I cannot 100% relate to, I have many Latina friends that are fighting to get the kids out of cages off the border. It is their passion. They are fully involved. They can quote people who are in charge and what's happening down there, statistics. I cannot, it doesn't touch me in the same way. Don't get me wrong, a child in a cage is horrendous and I want them out, but I don't end up focusing on it the same way as a lot of my Mexican friends. And so I think racism and racial issues are the same. If you're white, it's just not your thing. Not all white people. You're trying to pay your taxes and live your life as well. And maybe you're focused on, you know, anti-abortion or maybe you're focused on climate change, whatever it is that people focus on, it's what they feel connected to. And I think if I'm at home and I am a Trump supporter and I am watching Fox News, all that they see is the negative that has to do with Black Lives Matter. If I watched that, I would be anti-Black Lives Matter too. Defund the police was like a gift to the right. For clarity, defund the police means take a bunch of crap off of the table for them that they really don't need to be doing. Police are asked to handle the mentally ill, handle drug addicts, handle crimes, put their life in danger, handle police uh, speeding tickets, they do all these things. And wouldn't it be great if somebody else could handle the mentally ill? Someone who was skilled and professional having to do and understand mental health issues. That's not what police are there to do. They're there there to protect and serve. And so when people say defund the police, it doesn't mean take their money and let's just have lawlessness, which is what Fox News says it means. I wouldn't want that either. No one wants to live in a lawless place. If you do, there's probably something wrong with you and you're the thief, you're the problem. I support good police officers and I am open and I am empathetic to people who think that I believe the crap that Fox News says that I believe. I don't, I don't, I'm not anti-white people. I'm not anti, you know, freedom to believe what you wanna believe. Even if you wanna support Trump, I disagree with you, but I believe in your right to believe in that man. So I just decided to see these people that are on the street corner waving their blue lives matter flags and anti-black lives matter as people flawed like me. I'm sure today I may have said something that may have been offensive to somebody or maybe I can't communicate these thoughts in a way where you know some white people were on the show like you know listening to the show earlier and they just clicked off. They're like oh god never listening to her again because we're all flawed but I really believe that if I walked into a store, and one of those men were standing on the cor- who was standing on the corner, waving the street sign, waving the signs about Blue Lives Matter, if the, if I walk into a store and, and the door is about to be closed, I think one of those men would hold it for me. I think that if I said thank you, they would say you're welcome. I think that if I were applying for a job, and I was skilled enough, they would probably give me the job. I truly believe that more people than not aren't racist and I think the term is thrown around it's so much that it's almost like lost its weight we all are prejudiced we all have a prejudging notion in us that's just human condition when I see a guy in a hoodie no matter what his race late at night I'm concerned if I'm walking down the street and it's a single man with his hood on, I'm thinking, hmm, what's going on over there?" I am prejudging. He could be a college student studying to be a doctor, but if he has a hoodie on, again, no matter what his race, it's 10:30 at night, I'm assuming that could be a rapist. Right or wrong, we all prejudge. I prejudge white people, I prejudge other black people. I prejudge Mexicans, but what I don't do is act on that prejudgment and not hire somebody, not befriend somebody, not support somebody because of their race or their religion. I truly believe that most people just want to live their lives. Most people want to make sure police feel supported no matter who you are. So I think that those people on that street corner in Southern Utah were probably good, decent folk. We disagree with who should be president, but I don't think they hate me for the color of my skin. They just don't understand my experience. And I don't understand their experience, because if I did, I may be understanding why they were out there and supporting Trump. And I can not understand that. But they're probably okay, and sure, There are racists mixed in who want me dead, who would want to spit in my face, who use the N-word. I'm not gonna focus on them because life is too short. And I deserve to be on my vacation in Southern Utah, not feeling angry and pissed and hopeless. And that's all we want as black people is a fair shot in this lifetime. that we don't have to march and we don't have to kneel and we don't have to say black lives matter because you'll already know and that's it. I hope that in some way I at least made you think and didn't make you feel put on the defense if you do have a slightly different perspective or if you have a different experience than mine or if you have a totally different experience than mine. I want to be able to reach out to people who don't necessarily agree with me. I want to share ideas. I want to hear from you guys. So if you like this, keep listening. Please click subscribe. Click five stars on iTunes. Shoot me an email, what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear. Constructive criticism. If it's just hatred, I'll just throw it out. If you have questions, we're going to have an advice corner. Please share. I'm by no means an expert, but I like to share ideas. You can always email me at bigtimesmalltalkpodcast at gmail.com. I mentioned it earlier in the show. And other than that, follow me on Instagram. I want to hear from you guys. Jody Rollins on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening all the way through. And uh, go out and be nice to somebody who's different than you are today. We can all learn from that experience. I'm your host, Jody Rollins, and this has been Big Time Small Talk. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.